Love the cape. Batman or Robin, which one? I've got to be very well behaved now because I don't have any pockets in my beautiful kurta from South India and so I'm going to have to leave it on the top of this machine, on the top of it. If I stray too far that way or that way, I'm in big trouble. Hi, welcome, bonjour, vous allez bien? Buongiorno, come va? Va bene? I'm so excited about today, you can tell. This outfit that I'm wearing, I actually wore in South India. I, when I pastored the church in the Middle East, uh, we had many... Indians and Sri Lankans and Pakistanis and Indonesians and, and Nepalese and Canadians and Australians and Ecuadorians and they were all there and uh, so we were, we were dressed to the max on days like today and uh, I, I was invited, I pastored four Indian guys who came from Kerala, South India and I was invited by their mother to her 90th birthday party, Amachi in Malayalam, uh, Granny. I was invited to Granny's birthday party when she was 90 years. She's still going strong. This is a few years ago. I think she's about 96 now. She had 11 children, was it? And four of them were in Dubai, in the Middle East. And uh, so I was the guest of honour because I'd passed at her son. She said, I want Clive to come and pray at my birthday party. So I flew to Tiruvananthapuram. I'm really showing off now. That's Trivandrum to you. But in the, in the Malayali, it's Tiruvananthapuram. And you arrive in this lush glory that is Kerala. Anyone been to Kerala? Put your hands up. Yeah, there are one or two. Come on, great. It's a fabulous part. So here I am in authentic kurta. And what better... Uh, dressed to wear on this very special day when the Lord Jesus poured out his Holy Spirit upon 120 people in an upper room in Jerusalem and they tumbling, came tumbling down the stairs speaking in languages they'd never learnt. And people like Cretans and Arabs and people from Mesopotamia and all sorts of places. Oh, by the way, I, I recognise the Yoruba language if that was what was being... Because the, the words of Cappadocia and so were pretty similar. So I think I speak a Nigerian now. So, so we've got the birth of the church, which from its inception, its beginning is international. And what I love about us is that something's happening here. And you've got to have eyes to see it, that something is glorious taking place in our church and we want to talk today about the church being full of diversity and so this is if you like Pentecost Sunday we're following the church calendar this year but it's also International Sunday at King's so if you're on live stream hi live stream you might be looking from another country how exciting is that you are very welcome we wish we knew where you were watching in from maybe from all sorts of different places around the world. And it does happen Sunday by Sunday. It's time to revisit the heart of the New Testament because a new quality of human relationships has arrived. The gathering of people who believe in Jesus, they are bridging places. You are a bridging place where people will walk over the same bridge together and meet. This is a centre of reconciliation. This church and any church that has Jesus as Lord, where all the diversities, or if you want, the barriers, have up to now separated human beings. They are overcome through the supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit amongst us. You are sitting in a supernatural environment. The power of the Holy Spirit is making this happen. What does this mean for us in King's Eastbourne? Let me unpack a little bit of what you read in Acts chapter 2. We are called to develop here such a community of the Spirit that the things that used to separate us are changed. 
We are lifted into supernatural life together. What do I mean by that? Supernatural life in Jesus Christ, where this is not possible unless the Holy Spirit brings us together. There are too many differences, too many barriers, but every single one of them is overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit with Christ in our hearts. So we rise above the great gulf. Let me think of a few gulfs or barriers that keep us apart from each other. Gender, generation, ethnicity, race, colour, family unit, social or economic status, educational opportunity, your background, mental or physical health, your spiritual history, your spiritual gifting, and even your personality type. If I'm an introvert, I don't really want to be around too many extroverts. So many things that try to separate us from each other. But what we read in Acts chapter 2 means this. It means that the Acts 2, the birth of the first century church, is what we want here because it's a powerful demonstration of God's age-long purpose. What is that age-long purpose? It is to bring all things under heaven and on earth under one head, even Jesus Christ. That's God's eternal purpose, to bring all things together under the Lordship of Christ. Jesus, the crucified carpenter from Nazareth, is now ruling and reigning on the throne of the universe. Isn't that exciting? This Acts 2 passage that we read means also that kings is to become a beautiful expression, therefore, of one new humanity. That is the direct fruit of a reconciling ministry. We are the third race. We're neither Jew nor Gentile. Gentiles don't become Jews. Jews don't become Gentiles. Both become a brand new entity. You've become a brand new entity. You are a new race that is raceless. That's the great image that you read about in Ephesians. If you want to see the wonder of the church, read Ephesians again. Do not dilute this. Do not dilute this to something monoethnic or samey as meaty. This is God's masterpiece of reconciliation. The creation of the church is a wonder brought about by supernatural divine intervention. It's not just a people united, but every hostile element in creation will be subject to the Lordship of Christ. That one day, Jesus will be reigning over all. Every knee will bow before him. So this one new humanity congregation that you're sitting in today on May the 28th, 2023, is not possible naturally. It only becomes possible when the Holy Spirit brings us together. This is so much more than racial reconciliation. So much more than that. But boy, I'd like to start there. So our life together at King's gives another beautiful expression that we read in Acts chapter 2 that suddenly we, it gives beautiful expression to the longing, the deep longing in every human heart. And do you know what it is? It's longing for a life in community. You long for that. I long for that. I don't want to be isolated. I don't want to be alone for the rest of my days. I long for community. 
deep, meaningful community where brother loves brother, sister loves sister. The barriers are gone. There is openness and vulnerability and transparency and safety and welcome and inclusivity. That's the wonder, this embracing of the huge diversity of the human family, a community that has its arms wide open to each other. That's the heart of the New Testament. That's the radical effect of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. That's us. And sometimes we can miss it in the drudgery of life, in the samey humdrum world that sometimes tries to come upon us. Well, no, actually, we're in something so exciting because the world needs to see it. The world is aching for a new kind of gathering place. And we've got it here. If only they could see that here is a new kind of gathering place. As you look around at each other, 2,000 years ago, this message of grace and inclusive was strong enough to bring down the weight of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire lasted nearly a thousand years. No other empire could touch it, but this Jesus message shatters traditions of a thousand years where class and power and your ancestry divided the rich from the poor, the slave from the free, a man from a woman, and in comes this radical new faith. A society which welcomes everybody who were named after Jesus. That's the credentials. It's extraordinary. Absolute genius dynamite from God. He outsmarted us all with this breathtaking vision. I love Jesus' prayer in John 17. Let me just read a bit of it to you. Jesus is praying for you and me. I pray for those who will believe in me through the apostles' message that all of them might be one. Father, just as you are in me and I in you. Watch out for the just as is and the even as is that Jesus says because he links you and me close to God through. Father, you love them even as you love me. That's how much he loves you as he loves his own son. Let me get, so that's another preach. <laughs> Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The world believes in Jesus because of what they see here. There's something about this that's so special that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and you have loved them even as you have loved me. Wow, what a prayer. Just about one of the most profound sentences you can ever find in the Bible. This isn't some quick fix tolerance prayer. This isn't some politically correct language. This is transforming grace. This is a call to live out today, us, to live out today the unity that we already have in Christ. Live it out. Break down those barriers. This is a celebration of that cultural diversity that is constantly being put forward in all its glorious colour by the gospel. Cretans, Arabs, Mesopotamians, Cappadocians, Italiani, Francesi, Francais. I'm running out of languages. Did you know, you know what's on the great seal of the United States? 
The, the big seal, it's sometimes on a big flag, but it's a great big seal that the original 13 states in America, when they broke away from British rule, they all came together and they searched for a slogan or a political line that would sum up the brave new nation. Anyone know what it is? Later it becomes in God we trust, but to begin with, it starts with the Latin motto, A Pluribus Unum, which means from the many, the one. From the many states, those 13 states that became the original United States of America, a pluribus unum, that's the Holy Spirit's work amongst us. A pluribus unum. From the many, one. God is a multilingual God. It took me a little while to realise that he understands the languages of every tribe and language across the world. I thought he only spoke either English or Italian because of the Vatican. <laughs> we limit the greatness of God when we only know God as a local God who speaks my language and understands only me and my lo local conditions. Well, he's far bigger than that. The glory of Jesus' prayer in John 17 is that it teaches us that we need each other. It does away with our belief that somehow we think we're more important than someone else. It teaches me that this multi-ethnic world is my world. That we are not one of a kind, we are many, but we are one. And yet we have the same God, the same unchanging scriptures. We're not to hide from the growing multi-ethnicity that we see all around us. Man, when I went away to the Middle East for ten, nearly 10 years, I came back to Eastbourne and I couldn't believe it. When I'm, I'm in the streets, I'm walking down the, the high street and I'm hearing lots of different languages and I'm thinking, man, this place has changed just in 10 years. We are not to hide from that. Our children, your children and their children are going to learn maybe something that we haven't taught them ourselves. To love God and to love people who are different from us. To live in unity and in the reality of diversity. I, I cherish the experiences that I've had in my life. So just very quickly, anecdotally, I've lived in the northeast of England. I can talk Geordie. No problem, man. How are the Toon Army? Anyone know what the Toon Army is? Newcastle United in Europe for the first time in a long time. I lived in the northeast of England. I love the Geordies. They're brilliant. They're so friendly and welcoming. I've lived in the southeast of England. Hello, mate. How are you doing? <laughs> I am a West Ham supporter, after all. Okay, I've lived in the Middle East. I've lived for a year in France. It's part of my studies. I've lived in Italy. I've lived in Qatar. I've lived in all sorts of different places. And I love the fact that what it's done to me has made me feel at home in the world. My world doesn't really know many boundary lines. And I've realised that we are here to learn how to meet and befriend new people without stumbling over our body language. I well remember trying to hire the Jordanian Social Club in Dubai for the fledgling church that I was growing out in Dubai. And I had tremendous favour from God. We'd outgrown the, um, uh, the Ramada Hotel in Bur, Dubai, and we needed a new place to meet. So I was driving down uh, Sheikh Maktoum Road or whatever it was called and I saw the Jordanian Social Club. I thought, I'll just try my luck. So I know a little bit of Arabic. So, salam alaikum, for which someone replies, wa alaikum salam. So we get, well, we're on our way, we're on our way. And there was a lady who was in charge as the business development secretary at the Jordanian Club. Her name was Hannah and she was from Jordan. 
surprisingly. And um, she, she said, what, what, Mr. Clive, what would, you like, what would you like to do? I said, I want to hire the Jordanian Club for my Christian church. And, and I, I nearly fell over. She said, your money is as good as anybody else's money, she said. <laughs> and she said, and King Hussein, he went to Sandhurst. That is it. We, we Jordanians love the British royal family. Come, let us sit down, drink tea, eat dates, and talk about money. So, so we sat down, and I brokered a deal with an, an, three amazing points. She was Arab, she was a Muslim, and she was a woman. And I say that advisedly, you know what I mean. And then I made my biggest faux pas, which I never did again after that. We signed a deal for a year on the Jordanian Social Club. And I said, I was full of myself, so excited that God had broken into this. And I stood up. I said, well, thank you, Hannah. She said, well, it's my pleasure, Mr. Clive. She says, and I put my hand out to shake her hand. And she respectfully kept her hand back. I thought, no, you don't do that. You don't shake hands, man to woman. She's not my wife. You don't do that. Clive, come on. You thought you knew. Come on, man. It didn't stop us. We got, we got the place. And she was, she, it was a wonderful time. The church grew and grew there. We are to learn how to pronounce unfamiliar names. Well done, by the way, Andy. You did well today. <laughs> beautiful names. Beautiful. Azalea. Beautiful names. We are to get in touch with our roots. This is our roots. Acts 2 is our roots. The Adam and Eve narrative. Don't get me sidetracked about the Indo-European tree in language work. All right, if you want to, you can. No, don't egg me on. We, we at one common humanity. We have a commission because of Acts 2 now to tumble out of our upper room and go and make disciples of all nations. Most of us don't need to go very far. You don't need to go to Kerala. Just take a walk down your street. Globalisation is bringing the world into my neighbourhood. God is calling us to build relationships by loving our neighbour, loving strangers, loving the vulnerable. We have a fabulous commission. And the church here is going to replace ethnic identities with one new identity in Christ. Those who've been baptised into one body are members of a one new beautiful community. The differences that now separated people have become obsolete as you're baptised into the church. The differences are obsolete. They're gone. And now it's up to us to work them out. This breaks my heart with its beauty, the simplicity of this. On Friday the 29th of April 2011, a girl called Kate married a guy called Will. And Kate had invited people from her village in Berkshire because she wanted a people's wedding. So she and Will invited the village postman, the local pub owner, the shopkeeper and his wife. It was a lovely, lovely gesture. But truly remarkable was what was really happening the next day. Because on Friday the 29th of April, so that was Friday the 28th, Friday the 29th of April, a day later, Kate Middleton from Bucklebury becomes part of the royal family. She marries Prince William Arthur Philip Louis, Mountbatten, Windsor. She becomes royalty. She becomes an heir with a legal right of an inheritance in the royal family. That's your destiny. And it's even more glorious than Kate Middleton's destiny. Even more glorious than what's happened to her. This is the reverse of the curse. 
This is the betrothal of you to Christ, our Prince of Peace, our King. Christ owns you, bought with his precious blood, and you become his and he becomes yours. And it's a royal wedding. And your new identity naturally leads on to the fact that you become children of God, all of you. The decisive thing about you now isn't that you're Jewish or Greek or British or even male or female. That's not the main thing about you anymore. By the way, I think you'll keep your maleness in heaven and your femaleness in heaven. They're probably looking it up right now. I, think, I, think, I don't think I'm going to change. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we will talk about that another time, perhaps on a Sunday afternoon. Okay. Our new identity in Christ must automatically set up a basis for a new community. Do you get my drift? It's inevitable. It must lead to that. Because you're a son of the king. With such dignity bestowed upon you. I love my Italian friends. They make me laugh. I speak a bit of Italian. I've lived in Italy for a while. And there is an expression in Italian called campanalismo. And it comes from the Italian word campanile which means a bell tower. So you know those big, tall stone towers with a bell inside them at the top. And in all the Italian towns and villages, by the way, Italy didn't become a nation until 1861. So it was a diverse load of cities and villages all coming together under Garibaldi. You know the famous biscuit, okay? And uh, the bell tower is a campanile, but there's a thing called campanilismo, which if translated with difficulty, it means parochialism, because there's an expression in Italian, no, non puoi sentire l'altra campana. You can't even hear the other bell tower. So it's some guy who's in his village trying to explain something to the guy in the next village and thinking his bell tower is better than his bell tower and this village is nicer than your village. If you've ever been to San Gimignano, anyone been in Tuscany to San Gimignano? They were all building a tower bigger than other towers because my tower is better than your tower. Parochialism. And campanilismo, provincialism, parochialism, is basically not being able to see beyond your own bell tower. And we're not having any of that here. It's like you can't hear the other argument. Campanilismo. Let's not go there. Tender hearts. Let's listen to one another. Let's understand one another. This is the community of the Holy Spirit. So if I was to ask an Italian, where di dove sei? Where are you from? And he would say, sono di Bologna. I'm from Bologna. I say, oh, I know you're Italian. Okay, all right. You're from Bologna. I say, so where's Bologna? Emilia Romagna. That's the region. So you're Italian, are you? Why didn't you say you were Italian? No, I'm from Bologna. Proud of his city. I'm so proud of the city of God. I'm so proud. That's my Ethnicity. If you ask me what my nationality is these days, I'm not quite sure what I am. This is so comfortable, by the way. I mean, I mean, heavy denim jeans. I mean, they're, they're, you know, that's, our, that's our national dress, I know. But I feel this is... Sorry, I'll stop there. So comfortable. Shall we, shall we dress in comfortable clothes? Uh, stop. If people ask me my nationality, I, I will... Of course, uh, my, my great-grandfather was from Prague. So I'm an immigrant fourth generation, that's why I've got a funny family name. Of course I'm a Brit, but actually I'm an earthling. 
and I'm on my way to heaven and I'm a Christian and I belong to the king and I've got brothers and sisters all around me who've come from all sorts of different places and I welcome you and you're so at home here. You are so at home and we want this to grow because this and only this will break people's hearts, soften them up to the glory of grace, to the glory of the ingenious design of God, which was hidden for all ages until Pentecost. There is neither Jew nor Greek. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Shall we stand together? Let me just pray and then we'll hand over back for the breaking of bread. And if there's ever, ever a symbolic action to make us one, it's the breaking of bread. So we're about to do something that unites us. So let's, let's be before God. Let's consider, maybe I've touched a bit of a raw nerve in your heart. Maybe... Something's happened in your past where you've been hurt by something from the past. You, maybe it's something international or another nation or, or a people group and you find it difficult. Reconciliation's a tough word for you. Well, hey, all God needs is your willingness to cross the barrier. All God wants is your Lord help me prayer. Maybe... You've said, Clive, you don't know what's happened to me. I find it so difficult to forgive. I hate the word prejudice like you hate it, Clive, but I, I find I need to pull up, pull up this root of prejudice. Oh, God, help me. God, help me. Remembering Krish Kandaya's words, back at the bandstand, we're on a roll with this. Father, all hearts open before you. All hearts. Oh God, if anyone's been hurt, we want to bring healing to hearts that find it difficult to love, except people who are the closest to them. Oh Father, come and help. There's some struggling. And there are some whose hearts are surging with joy at the vision of the gospel, who long to make it a reality. Father, use them in this church to bring about reconciliation and beautiful unity and diversity. Use them, Lord. Use them from any nation. We abolish the pecking order of nations here. We declare that the pecking order of nations has no place in this church. No place. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Father, keep working on our hearts as we worship you.